Democrats begin openly talking about dumping Joe Biden in favor of other candidates. We meet some new Democratic faces making waves. And Boris Johnson resigns as leader of the conservative party in the UK. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their network data. Join them at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's like walking your dog in public without securing the dog on a leash. You know, it might be okay for like a minute and then the dog runs away and there's some weird guy in a van. He jumps out, grabs your dog and he is gone. Why would you do such a thing? Protect your dog and protect your internet activity by using ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, etc., your online data is not secured. Any hacker on the same network can gain access to and steal your personal data, but ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so they can't. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. ExpressVPN works on all your devices, phone, laptop, tablet, even on your smart TV. It's really easy to use. Just fire up the app. You click one button to get yourself protected. I use ExpressVPN myself. I've been using it to protect my internet activity for years because, frankly, you know, I run an internet company and I don't want anybody cribbing my work. Get an extra three months of ExpressVPN free at expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to get an extra three months free of ExpressVPN service. Well, the breaking news this morning is that Boris Johnson has now been basically ousted as the leader of the Conservative Party in the UK. Now, this doesn't mean that he is no longer prime minister. He's basically going to hold on to the prime ministership until he is forced out of office by the next election. But he says he's no longer going to lead the Conservative Party because all of his ministers have resigned on him. He announced that this morning in the UK. Here's what he had to say. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. It, thank you, thank you. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. And the timetable will be announced next week. And I've today appointed a cabinet to serve, as I will, until a new leader is in place. Okay, so the way that it works in Great Britain, just like a lot of other parliamentary democracies, that the Conservative Party was elected to lead the government. Boris Johnson, by resigning as the leader of the Conservative Party, does not lose his slot as prime minister because the Conservative Party still was the elected majority. And until they have appointed a new leader inside the Conservative Party, that means that he is basically just the serving prime minister of Great Britain. It does mean that he is on his way out. According to CNN, Johnson's departure marks a remarkable downfall for a prime minister who was once seen as having political superpowers with an appeal that transcended traditional party lines. He won a landslide victory in December 2019 on the promise of delivering a Brexit deal and leading the UK to a bright future outside the EU. And he proceeded to do that. You'll recall that he got into a massive fight with Parliament. He actually had Parliament suspended for a few weeks. The British Supreme Court later suggested that this was unconstitutional in Great Britain, and he had to apologize to the Queen and all of this. But he ended up getting Brexit done, and he was seen as a pretty popular leader at the time. And then COVID hit, and his leadership during COVID became extremely controversial. And now, basically, a series of scandals have supposedly taken him down. But here is the reality. This is true throughout the West. I've suggested for years that the only scandals that truly bring down politicians are sex and cover-ups. That's it. Those are the only things that bring down politicians. Because otherwise, you can get away with nearly anything. If you're Andrew Cuomo and you kill every old person in the state of New York with your bad nursing home policy, you can get away with that. But the minute 
that we found out that you grabbed somebody's ass against their will, you are gone, man. That is something, killing old people, okay. Grabbing some ass, very, very bad, gotta go. Same sort of thing now appears to have happened to Boris Johnson. Not really because the scandals that bring down these politicians are those scandals, but because these are the scandals that we can pin directly on you. And this means that we can use these as a sort of lever to get you out of office. Because if you look at the list of scandals that supposedly plagued Boris Johnson, it's a pretty mild. And Fox News has a pretty good roundup of the supposed scandals that brought him down. The biggest one, and this was really the one that brought him down. It just took a long time for it to manifest. Where he started to lose popularity is his lockdown policies. During COVID, the UK took an extraordinarily strict stance in the early going with regard to lockdown. And while that lockdown was happening, Boris Johnson had a big birthday party and he invited all of his friends. According to Fox News, the most enduring and infamous controversy with which Johnson wrangled involved parties that occurred on government grounds during the most strict COVID-19 lockdown periods. Rules at the time mandated individuals could not socialize indoors except with your household or support bubble. Police issued a total of 126 fixed penalty notices to 83 people in government for the gatherings that totaled eight different parties between May 2020 and April 2021, which showed that they were hypocrites. It showed that they did not actually believe the standard that they were forcing everybody else to abide by. A report by senior civil servant Sue Gray on the matter claimed Johnson at one point provided wine and cheese to the staff from May 2020 party in the gardens of 10 Downing Street. Another party in the same venue. Party goers raged well into the night, wrapping up at around 4 a.m. There's another party allegedly happening around April 16, 2021, the night before Queen Elizabeth buried her husband, Prince Philip, where party attendees drank wine, ordered four large pizzas to share, and took turns going down a slide belonging to Johnson's son, Wolf, according to eyewitness accounts and photos reviewed by the Daily Telegraph newspaper. Someone spilled wine on a copy machine and almost damaged the laptop that served as the jukebox for the evening. And so, again, this was the thing that really brought down Johnson. And it was a couple of years of a trailing bad feeling because it is one thing for a left-wing politician to issue lockdown notices and then proceed to violate lockdown, whether it is Gavin Newsom in California or Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, whether it is Miro Bowser in Washington, D.C., or whether it is London Breed in San Francisco. People expect left-wingers to be hypocrites on this kind of stuff because, frankly, left-wingers are always in favor of lockdown and they don't abide by any of their own social standards. But when it is somebody like Boris Johnson who's supposed to be standing up for small businesses, somebody who is not supposed to engage in harsh lockdown policies, when it turns out that you're the hypocrite, then the fire is coming from inside your own party. And that's exactly what happened to Johnson. There are a couple of other scandals that started to creep up on him. And again, they, they have more to do with sort of inaction than action. So for example, Johnson had promoted a member of parliament named Chris Pincher to the position of deputy chief whip. He was one of the people responsible for lining up votes along party lines for conservative positions. Pincher took over the role February 8th. He resigned June 30th after allegedly groping two men at the Carlton Club in Piccadilly. So this is why I say the sex scandals were the cover-ups, right? So this guy, it wasn't even Johnson who was grabbing ass in this particular circumstance. It was Chris Pincher who was doing so. And supposedly Johnson said that he didn't know about it. Johnson kept him in the party. He insisted the matter was closed. And then it turns out there were more allegations that Johnson had known about earlier. And then he admitted that. And then there was you know, a very brief report of a sex scandal involving Boris Johnson, but it was old. It was from like 2018 when his current wife was then his mistress, and apparently they were engaged in sexual congress in his office at the time. So the, those are, are sort of the, the big scandals that supposedly plagued him. And a couple other staffing scandals. But the reality is that what really brought down Boris Johnson is the fact that his own party grew tired of the, the antics. His own party was annoyed by the fact that he had locked down the country in large measure and taken very strict strict protocols with regard to COVID and then violated those. And then this was all just trailing. It was all just trailing. And this is one of the things that we are going to see politically. I think everybody believes that because the pandemic is effectively over for most people, 
meaning that everybody's going out and living their lives. They've gone back to work. They've gone back to school. Because of that, there's this belief in politics by a lot of politicians that that issue is dead, that COVID is dead. People have long memories. People are very, very angry. And that anger is not going to go away. In fact, I think this is true in the United States as well. Now, the fact that, that Joe Biden is president of the United States does not alleviate the fact that most Americans are not on board and were not on board with the lockdown-friendly policies pushed by Democrats across the country. That's why you've seen a mass exodus from blue states to red states in the United States during the course of the pandemic. It's why, for example, Florida went from a swing state to a pretty solidly red state. All of this is pandemic backlash. So much of what we are seeing in politics right now is pandemic backlash that's just delayed. Right, so Boris Johnson being gone, that's pandemic backlash that is now coming to fruition after a couple of years of delay. And you're about to see that in the United States in November 2022, because there was so much associated with the pandemic, the keeping kids out of school. People know who to blame for that. The riots in the streets. People know who to blame for that. The fact that businesses were shut down en masse. People know who to blame for that. And the long tail effect of pandemic policies that extended well beyond the chief time period of the pandemic. The economic policies that are coming to fruition in the form of really, really high inflation. And what will soon be a recession if we're not already in one. All of that is going to bear really ugly fruit for the party that's going to get blamed. And in the United States, that party is the Democratic Party. In the UK, by the way, just because Boris Johnson is out does not mean that the Conservative Party is going to lose the next election to Labour. Labour is in complete disarray over in the UK. Remember, they had to basically oust their own erstwhile leader, Jeremy Corbyn, because he's a rabid anti-Semite. People aren't willing to trust the Labour Party with nearly anything over there. They just didn't think that Boris Johnson was the person to lead the Conservative Party. So distrust inside the Conservative Party is actually pushing the Conservative Party to the right in the UK. There are a bunch of other candidates who are up for the post of prime minister over there. But in the United States, don't mistake you know, what's happening to Boris Johnson for some sort of left-wing move. That's not what's happening in the UK, and that's not what's happening in the United States either. Boris Johnson seems to be on his way out. Well, this summer, you're going to be out and about as well. And that is why you need Ring, because the fact is that when you're not at home, you got to make sure that your home is protected. So you know about the Ring video doorbell, because of course you do. We've been talking about it for years, but it's not just the Ring video doorbell. They now have an award-winning home security system, Ring Alarm. You can easily install it yourself. It has available professional monitoring when you subscribe. Ring didn't stop there. They've now changed the home security game entirely with Ring Alarm Pro. That's why I've decided to team up with Ring when it comes to protecting my home. I've gone pro with Ring Alarm Pro. Ring Alarm Pro is a next level security system. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. After using it, I think they're totally right. Ring combined a home security system and a Wi-Fi router, so this thing helps protect your home and secure your network. This summer, whether I'm across the country or across town, I know everything at home is protected and connected and that it will stay that way. With a Ring Protect Pro subscription, which is an amazing deal, by the way, I get professional monitoring for the ultimate peace of mind. If anything happens, professional monitoring will call me and can request emergency services. Talk about a worry-free vacation. I have Ring Alarm. I've been using Ring Alarm for months at this point. Makes me feel a lot safer because I know that somebody is monitoring my house when I'm not home. You might not have known it, but it's true. Ring has that award-winning alarm. Get started right now at ring.com forward slash Ben. That is ring.com forward slash Ben to get started with Ring Alarm. Which brings to mind slow Joe Biden. 80-year-old geriatric Joe Biden. So basically, all of the consternation is now breaking out into the open. This is a guy with a 36% approval rating. He's underwater on every major issue. He's underwater in every major swing state. If the Republicans had nominated a better slate of candidates this year for the Senate, they would be picking up three to four seats in the Senate. As it stands, they might still pick up these seats, despite the fact that they have candidates who are running weak in polls. In Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz is running weak in the polls right now. In Georgia, Herschel Walker is running very weak in the polls. Those are eminently pick-upable seats. In Arizona, it's Unclear at this point who's going to be running against Mark Kelly, but that too is a vulnerable seat. New Hampshire is a vulnerable seat for Democrats. 
There are a bunch of vulnerable seats for Democrats. And if Republicans had picked, I think, a more solid slate of candidates, there would be a significantly better shot that Republicans would pick up a lot more of those Senate seats. But this is about to be a terrible year for Democrats. Now, the terribleness of the year for Democrats is going to be mitigated by the fact that ideological sorting has increased radically in the United States, meaning the number of people who live in districts in the United States that voted for, say, George W. Bush for president in 2000, but also went for a Democratic candidate in Congress, that number was actually pretty high. The number of people who live in districts that voted for Joe Biden, but also voted for a Republican for Congress is pretty low. And you're likely to see the same thing this year. I mean, the number of seats that are actually vulnerable in the House has really shrunk it, like a lot. So even if Republicans have a big wave year, it's unlikely they get to 50, 60 seats the way that they did in 2010. First of all, they won a bunch of seats last time. So my guess is that you're probably looking at in a wave election year, 30 seats picked up by the Republicans, but it's almost impossible at this point for Republicans to lose the House of Representatives. So Democrats are looking at their leadership and they're blaming Joe Biden, which actually is incorrect. This is the hilarious thing. Joe Biden is very bad at this, yes. But Barack Obama had horrible, horrible record with regard to state level elections. He lost all the governor's houses. He lost like a thousand seats across the country because as it turns out, maybe democratic policy just is not popular. Maybe the problem is not. I, believe me, this is not a defense of Joe Biden, who's a horrible president, who's terrible at every aspect of the job, who's simply not up to it, who seems to be bordering on the senile. But to a certain extent, it's not really Joe Biden's personality that's the problem. It's the fact that Joe Biden has always been a paper mask for a Democratic Party that is promoting policies nobody likes and nobody wants. So the Democratic Party has two choices. One is they could moderate, right? This has been true since the very beginning of the Biden administration. Since the very beginning, if Joe Biden had moderated in any way, shape, or form, he'd be a lot more popular. Instead, he ran to his hard left because Joe Biden has always, throughout his career, reflected the center of the Democratic Party. He really is just a buoy that floats along, uh, along the, the tips of the waves of the Democratic Party. So if the tide in the Democratic Party is moving to the left, he just moves right along with it, which is why he's governed like Bernie Sanders, despite running more like Scoop Jackson. So if they don't like what they are seeing in terms of the results of Joe Biden, perhaps they should look in the mirror, not just at Joe Biden's wild incompetence, he is incompetent, but at the actual policies that he has been promoting. Instead, they have decided on their narrative. And their narrative is that it's Joe Biden's singular personal unpopularity that is the problem, which it doesn't help. But again, let's be real. Barack Obama was a singularly popular president. By polling data, people really liked the guy. I want one of them. I didn't like him. I thought he was arrogant and obnoxious, but a lot of people really like Barack Obama. In 2010, he got his clock cleaned. Joe Biden is less popular than Barack Obama. He will similarly get his clock cleaned in November 22. That's really not a Joe Biden problem. That's a Democratic Party problem. But the Democrats have an answer. As always, the Democrats and the media have an answer. When Democratic policy fails, the answer is you're stupid. The answer is that if Joe Biden were just a better communicator, well, then he would be able to talk you into believing all of the nonsense that they have been pushing. And this is why you're seeing a concerted push from inside the Democratic Party to now throw grandma off the back of the train. And grandma, in this case, would be Joe Biden. <gasps> so here is CNN reporting that members of Joe Biden's own party are ready to get rid of the guy. President Biden will speak on the economy and the sticker shock that's hammering all of us. And he will announce new protections for workers and their pensions. His remarks come as members of his own party and key supporters are getting more frustrated. They're questioning if the White House can muster the urgency to deal with huge challenges from the economy to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. And the rattled confidence is widespread. A Monmouth poll just found 88% of Americans think the U.S. is on the wrong track. That's an all-time low. And the respondents' top concern? Inflation. So even the media are beginning to turn 
on Joe Biden. Okay, so Joe Biden is trying to pull his irons out of the fire here. He went to Ohio to give a speech to the blue collar workers of Ohio. Because after all, he's Scranton Joe. Hard scrabble beginnings in Scranton, where daddy told him on a street corner in Scranton, Pennsylvania in 1952 that two men making out on a street corner was just love, Joey. No, no, no. So <laughs> I'm never going to get over that story because it's the, it's the single most absurd story that Biden has ever told. But Joe Biden being hard scrabble Joe while wearing a fairly nice Rolex and having multiple houses and leaving voice messages for his son, Hunter, who's picking up bags of cash on foreign soil while he's vice president. It, it doesn't play. And it also doesn't play when it turns out that your agenda is directly opposed to the interests of millions of Americans. So Joe Biden, his strategy is what if I just keep running against Trump? There's only one problem. Trump ain't on the ballot. The referendum is now on you and your party. So he was speaking in Ohio about the wonders of the American Rescue Plan, which, by the way, the American Rescue Plan has contributed pretty notably to the inflation that we are seeing right now. And so he is just going to lie to you. Here he is explaining that Donald Trump's economy was very bad. Now, for anyone with one iota of memory, somebody who doesn't have short-term memory loss, I mean, I understand Joe Biden may have short-term memory loss, but for the rest of us, we all remember that the economy was actually excellent up until about February 2020. And then there was this giant thing that happened. It was a worldwide pandemic that shut down the world for about a year. And that had some real impacts on the employment stats. But here's Joe Biden just lying and pretending the pandemic never happened. You all remember what the economy was like when I was elected a country in a pandemic with no real plans how to get out of it. Millions of people out of their jobs. Families and cars, remember, backed up for literally miles waiting for a box of food to be put in their trunk. Just a box of food to be put in their trunk because they didn't have enough to eat. Previous administration lost more jobs on its watch than any administration since Herbert Hoover. That's a fact. Okay, he's just a ridiculous person. I'm, I'm sorry, that, that's the most ridiculous statement. <laughs> the prior administration lost more jobs on its watch. Oh, you mean when the entire state-level government in blue states just shut down every job in America for, for like a year? Like that time? Is that, is that what you're talking about, Joe Biden? Okay, so he's going to lie. And uh, then he's going to try to blame Republicans for inflation, which is a weird one, considering that he's the president and he has a Democratic Congress. Do you have enough money to pay for everything you need? Well, Republicans do nothing to obstruct our efforts to lower your gas taxes. I propose that. I've asked the Congress to eliminate the federal gas tax for the next, as long as this crisis goes on. Lower food prices, lower health care costs. Hopefully soon, lower your prescription drug costs. By the way, you got a, you got a Republican leader in the United States Senate. He's just, he's, he's unreal. He's unreal. So the inflation is all the fault of the people who have no actual power in the United States Congress. And then, of course, he falls back on, Joe, it's all about Vladimir Potanskadambadu and his tax magical increase in Stambachas Jubilee. We made incredible progress on, the, uh, progress on the economy from where we were a year and a half ago. We got a long way to go because of inflation, because of the, I call He's falling asleep. the Putin tax increase oh, Putin, because of gasoline and all that grain he's keeping from oh. being able to get to the market. Now I'm fighting like hell to lower costs on things that you talk about around your kitchen table. My dad, you say at the end of the day, it's just when you sit at that table, do you have enough money to pay for everything you need? Not a lot over. Do you have enough money to pay for everything you need? That was not a word. That was not, those were not words that were coming out of his face hole. That was something that resembled. Okay. So Yesterday, my two-year-old daughter was extremely tired. 
She'd been in the pool a little bit. She got out of the pool. She was really tired. She came to tell me something, and it sounded exactly like that. I kid you not. There were no consonants. It was just all vowels for like a minute. And I turned to my wife, and I said, I have no idea what she just said to me. That's the president of the United States. So sure, I mean, the communication strategy isn't helping. But by the way, what he's actually saying there is really stupid. The reason it's really stupid is twofold. Okay, so he says that all of the domestic hardship that you are currently experiencing is Putin's tax magic group. It's Putin's grain and the oil and the and the assumption and ruse in Putin. So two problems with this. One, it's not. A huge run-up in the inflation happened before Vladimir Putin declared war on Ukraine. Two, Joe Biden is simultaneously pushing the idea that we need to maintain this war with Ukraine ad infinitum, like until the end of time. So you can't have it both ways. If you wish for the American people to get behind the war in Ukraine, if you wish the American people to continue to support Ukraine in the face of Russian predations, you cannot then say to them, the reason that you are paying for high gas, the reason you are paying for high food prices, the reason that you are paying more for pretty much every area of your life is because of Putin's war and I have no plan to end it. Like, all you're doing is undermining both yourself and also the war that you are supposedly stumping in favor of. You're now telling the American people that you are not willing to take the measures to lower the prices of all of these goods, right? You're not going to drill more. You're not going to relieve environmental regulations. You're not going to do any of that stuff. You're going to blame Putin instead. And then you're going to say that that war with Putin is what's causing the problem. But we have to maintain the war with Putin. Like, it's incoherent. Right now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting Russia's tactical shift in Ukraine raises prospects of protracted war. Yeah, you think? I mean, so that means endless war in Ukraine. Okay, well, I mean, if that were the case, then at least you would figure we might have to take some long-term policies that would lower the prices at home. But he's not doing any of that. He's just blaming Putin. So he's undermining the war effort in Ukraine while simultaneously trying to avoid responsibility for the inflation and economic situation at home. It makes no sense. None of this is particularly smart, but here's something smart that you need to do for your own business. You need to make sure that you're using Podium. Here is why. Podium helps your small business stay ahead of the curve with modern messaging tools that make it easy for your customers to connect with your business. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. So here's the thing. When I get a call from business, I never pick it up, ever. Emails, now go to spam. However, when a business texts me, there is a good shot, not only that I will see it, but that I will respond. This is true for the vast majority of people who are my age and younger. Customers love the convenience. Businesses love the results. One car dealer sold a $50,000 truck in just four text messages. A jeweler sold a $5,000 ring and coordinated curbside pickup all through text. With Podium's all-in-one inbox, you can do more than just chat. You can get more online reviews by sending an easy-to-use link. You can collect payments fast from anywhere. And you can send marketing campaigns that actually get a response all by sending a quick text. See how Podium can grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com slash Shapiro. That's podium.com slash Shapiro. Podium, let's grow. Again, text a great way to grow your business. Podium will make it happen for you. Podium.com slash Shapiro to get started. I mean, we are headed, if we're not already in a recession, we are headed toward one right fast. According to the New York Times, the Federal Reserve is now moving toward another big rate increase as inflation lingers, which is, of course, what they have to do. They have no choice. If they want to crush the inflation, they have to raise the interest rates. And raising them to 1.5% ain't going to do it. It's going to need to be in the 5 to 6% range by most available economic estimates in order to really crush the sort of inflation that we've been seeing. According to the New York Times, the Federal Reserve, determined to choke off rapid inflation before it becomes a permanent feature of the American economy, is steering toward another three-quarter point interest rate increase later this month, even as the economy shows early signs of slowing and recession fears mount. Economic data suggests the United States could be headed for a rough road. Consumer confidence has plummeted. The economy could post two straight quarters of negative growth. New factory orders have sagged. Oil and gas commodity prices have dipped sharply lower this week as investors fear an impending downturn. 
That weakening is unlikely to dissuade central bankers. Some degree of economic slowdown would be welcome news for the Fed, which is actively trying to cool the economy. And a commitment to restoring price stability could keep officials on an aggressive policy path. Inflation measures are running at or near the fastest pace in four decades. The job market, while moderating somewhat, remains unusually strong, with 1.9 available jobs for every unemployed worker. Fed policymakers are likely to focus on those factors as they head into their July meeting, especially because their policy interest rate is still low enough, it's likely spurring economic activity rather than subtracting from it. But pretty much all of the talk from the central bank is driving down the stock market because everybody sees these interest rate increases coming. Because they have to, because of Joe Biden's policy, not because of Vladimir Putin. And again, even if you blame Vladimir Putin, it's like a lose-lose. If he doesn't blame Vladimir Putin, it's his fault. If he does blame Vladimir Putin, then the question for Americans is going to be, okay, so how do we stop this war, right? What do we do to get to the end of this war so we can get back to our normal life where gas does not cost six bucks a gallon? Joe Biden is not capable of, of leading his way through this, obviously. In the first 10 minutes of his speech yesterday in Ohio, he said the phrase, not a joke, about nine different times. Here is Joe Biden yesterday, just repeating himself over and over, because again, this is a man whose brain is no longer functioning. This is a man, as I've said before, who could not pour urine out of a boot if the instructions were written on the heel. Here is Joe Biden. There was only one word you heard most often in my family. Not a joke. When unions do well, everybody does well. Everybody does well. Not a joke. There's a middle class for one reason. American unions. That's the only reason there's a middle class. Not a joke. Love you, Marcy. You are the best. She does it all, unions and foreign policy. And foreign, you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. The Trumpers would literally take them out. Not a joke. You know, I'm not joking. Ask yourself this question. What is a Republican platform? No, no, not a joke. I would have thought, had I not seen it on paper and heard them talk about it, that I was making this up. Not a joke. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I think he's joking. He must be joking because this is your great orator. This is the sterling orator. So I, listen, I can see why Democrats are trying to hang their hat on Joe Biden as a poor communicator. I get, I, I get it. They've been doing, this is the same hobby horse that they've been riding since Al Gore. When Al Gore lost to George W. Bush before he declared the world was on fire and had his chakras touched by a masseuse, the answer was he was too sophisticated for the, like Al Gore has not been too sophisticated for a room since like second grade. But Al Gore was too sophisticated for the room. He just knew too much. He was too bright. He couldn't connect with the American people, particularly not when he was sticking his tongue down Tipper's throat at the 2000 Democratic National Convention, a thing that happened. Yes, life is weird. In 2004, John Kerry, who's been wrong on every single issue his entire life, ranging from accusing his fellow troops of being rapists and murderers in Vietnam to suggesting that peace would never break out in the Middle East until Israel surrendered to terrorists. John Kerry ran for president in 2004, and he lost. And the answer from the media was, John Kerry's too sophisticated for the room. He knows too many things. When Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, the answer was not that she is a charmless cackle witch. <laughs> the answer was that Hillary Clinton was too sophisticated for the room. She knew too much. She knew too much. And now the answer, of course, is that Joe Biden, he has a communication problem. See, even when Barack Obama was president, who's a really good communicator by all available metrics, right? He was great at giving speeches, saying nothing and bloviating and using empty platitudes combined with extraordinarily radical racial rhetoric. When, when Barack Obama, that developed over the course of his presidency. Early on, he was a moderate with racial rhetoric. By, by the time we hit like 2013, 2014, that had changed radically. But 
Barack Obama, when he was when he was failing in policy terms, because he did basically from 2010 on, he was a massive failure at everything he tried to do policy wise. Barack Obama. So the answer was, of course, well, my communication strategy needs to be better. It's all about the comms. It's all the calm. Um, guys, it's not the comms. It's because you suck. That's the answer. It's not just the comms. It can be the comms as well as something else. Joe Biden is a bad communicator because, again, dead people tend to be bad at communication. But it is not fundamentally the comms. But Democrats think that it's really about the fighting. They need more fighting and, and fighting. They, they want Joe Biden to be a combative old man, not just an old man who's falling asleep, an angry old man who yells at the walls. That's what they need. If only Joe Biden would get angrier and shout into the mic before whispering all creepy. That would probably fix everything. According to the New York Times, 48 hours after a horrific mass shooting on the 4th of July, President Biden flew to Ohio on Wednesday for a speech on pension plans. With inflation soaring and Democrats still fuming about the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, Mr. Biden's public schedule included no events or announcements on either topic. In response to last week's blockbuster testimony about the January 6th attack on the Capitol, Mr. Biden has said almost nothing pledging deference to the Congressional Committee investigating the violent assault on American democracy. At a moment of broad political tumult and economic distress, Mr. Biden has appeared far less engaged than many of his supporters had hoped. First of all, I don't know why you'd hope for this. He went into a basement and fell asleep for eight months during the election cycle, and he woke up and was president. I don't know why they thought he was like an engaged fighter. Was this somebody who appeared to you to be an engaged fighter? He was basically in hospice. What are you talking about? But now they're surprised. While many Democrats are pleading for a fighter who gives voice to their anger, Mr. Biden has chosen more a more passive path, blaming Congress, urging people to vote, avoiding heated rhetorical battles. Bill Neidhart, former spokesperson for Bernie Sanders, said, quote, the economy seems to be running out of control. Fundamental rights are being stripped away and the White House just isn't coming with anything. Inside the White House, administration officials say Biden has been quick to respond to the country's crises, even if he doesn't get the credit they believe he deserves. The president came into office promising competence and deliberative action after four years in which his predecessor governed by angry Twitter posts and frequent tirades. By contrast, Biden touted his sober experience as a legislator. By the way, Joe Biden never had a sober experience as a legislator. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Joe Biden was a logoreic idiot for his entire time in the United States Senate. He campaigned on knowing how to wield the authority of the presidency. On the big issues of the day, the president keeps citing the limits of his power so that they're trying to portray him as like a, a soft moderate. And if only he would be more passionate, then this would jog the American people into action. And so Joe Biden, predictably enough, because his Twitter account is run by Ron Klain, he starts tweeting about these things. So yesterday he tweeted, Congress must act to codify Robru and the filibuster should not stand in the way. Come on, man. But right now, Jack, we don't have the votes to change the filibuster. That means... We need to elect more Democratic senators and reelect our House Monroe. He fell asleep before the end of the tweet, which was unfortunate. But um, yeah, so his combative version is we need to codify Roe and I'm going to kill the filibuster if you give me the votes to do so. That is not going to do it. Well, there is a reason that the White House comms director, Kate Bedingfield, is stepping down. She doesn't want to be blamed for the coming tsunami because then she'll never get a job again. According to Chief of Staff Ron Klain, without cutting Kate Bedingfield's talent and tenacity, Donald Trump might still be in the White House. The rescue plan and infrastructure law might still be unrealized. And Ketanji Brown-Jackson might not be sitting on the Supreme Court. By the way, Klain misspelled Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Racism! She has played a huge role in everything the president has achieved, from his second term as vice president through the campaign and since coming to the White House. Her strategic acumen, intense devotion to the president's agenda, and fierce work on his behalf are unmatched. This is basically Ron Klain saying, um, we're going to push her out and pretend that comms is now shifted at the White House. <laughs> that's, that's what this is. Apparently, Bedingfield had been weighing the decision to leave the White House for a number of weeks. 
She only gave official notification to Klein in recent days. She wants to get off that ship before that Titanic hits that iceberg. A person widely seen as betting fields likely replacement is Liz Allen, another longtime Biden loyalist who worked for him when he was VP and was deputy communications director for Barack Obama. She was also tasked with working with Kamala Harris after Harris was chosen to be Biden, Biden's VP running mate, which, wow, what a resume. She was in charge of Kamala Harris's comms. We all know how great Kamala Harris is at comms. The staffing changes come as the White House grapples with soaring inflation, a war in Ukraine and the president's law approval. So they're trying to shift course on the comms. By the way, even in announcing this, the White House totally undercut its own comms message. So for example, apparently this story was originally Politico's Alex Thompson's. He had the scoop. He asked the White House for comment. They completely ignored his request for comment. And then they gave the story to the Wall Street Journal with a statement from Ron Klain. So just really solid comms work from the White House as usual. But all of this is building up to a broader attempt to throw Joe Biden overboard. Like after the midterm elections, get rid of him. And they're attempting to push in place of Joe Biden. They can't do Kamala Harris. Again, Kamala Harris makes Hillary Clinton look like Winston Churchill. Instead, what they're going to try and do is, is apparently shoehorn in Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, which is fairly incredible since he has one of the worst economic track records of any government in the country. His track record on COVID is not particularly stellar. Age adjusted, about the same death rate as Florida, except Florida never shut down and California did. He has repeatedly broken his own COVID protocols. He's a massive hypocrite. This week, he's vacationing in Montana. California employees are not allowed to spend taxpayer dollars to go vacation or even visit places like Montana because Gavin Newsom has declared that these places are hell on earth for LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign people. He's over there. His original response to that story that he's vacationing in Montana was he's not using taxpayer dollars to do it. When asked if he was using taxpayer dollars to cover his security because he's governor of California, he went completely silent. But this is the person that they are pinning their hopes on. Like the two ones that you keep hearing are J.B. Pritzker, the monstrously large governor of, of Illinois, and Gavin Newsom, the androgynous Kendall from California. Good luck to you, folks. This is why Gavin Newsom is now running ads in Florida telling people to flee for California, which is hilarious because I fled California to get over here, to get away from you and your 13% income tax rate, which will soon rise to 20% if you have your way. It's amazing. As the Wall Street Journal's Kenneth Kachigian writes, he says, once Mr. Newsom takes his show on the road, he'll quickly find the scrutiny that has escaped him in California. His slick back act will not play in Iowa, New Hampshire, or South Carolina. It's politically perverse that Newsom's ad asked Floridians to come to California when his own constituents are leaving for friendlier business and cultural climates in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and elsewhere. His claim that he will take the fight to Republicans is laughable. His own record of collapsed leadership is ripe for exploitation. Days ago, six miles from the home where I was raised in Tulare County, the highway patrol arrested two suspected drug traffickers with 150,000 fentanyl pills. They were released by an order signed by the Tulare County Superior Court Commissioner before Sheriff Mike Boudreaux was informed or asked about the risks to public safety. He placed the blame directly on Governor Newsom and the legislators in California who are really soft on crime. Homicides in San Francisco are up 36% over the last two years. Things are much the same in Los Angeles, where homicides and robberies with guns are on the rise. The city has lost 40,000 residents in the past year. By the way, if you extend that back a couple of years, that includes me and my family. Residential users of electricity in California pay 66% more than homeowners in the rest of the United States. And that is because of all these stupid green policies pursued by people like Gavin Newsom. And this is leaving out, of course, the French laundry and the high-speed rail that Gavin Newsom once told me on the air that he did not support, but then tried to put back in place as soon as he was elected governor. So good, good luck to you, Gavin Newsom. If Democrats believe that this is an issue 
of messaging rather than policy, they are likely to be headed for a bruising. But this is why they're going to rely on the media to shut down all of the other messaging. Well, we'll get to the media's tack on Joe Biden's failures in just one second. First, there's been a lot of excitement about Daily Wire Plus. There are tons of questions like, what the heck is it? How is it different from the Daily Wire? How do I access it? What does it cost? Well, here's the thing. Daily Wire Plus, it's all the things you love about the Daily Wire, all under one umbrella. If you already have a Daily Wire subscription, by the way, you are already a member of Daily Wire Plus. If you're not, you need to subscribe. Here's why. You get articles, plus podcasts, plus content from Jordan Peterson, including his entire archive and new content, plus the PragerU library, plus movies and documentaries, plus kids content, which is coming soon. So a lot of pluses for Daily Wire Plus. In other words, this is Daily Wire's ever-expanding multimedia universe. You access it by going to dailywireplus.com or download and open that Daily Wire app. Then you click or tap where it says watch. And boom, you're there. If you just go to dailywire.com and you hit watch, you're now at Daily Wire Plus. The good news is, if you're already a Daily Wire member, as I say, you're already a Daily Wire Plus member for the same great price. It happened magic overnight while you were sleeping. If you're not yet a member, the good news is right now, if you go to dailywireplus.com, you get 35% off your brand new membership, which is an amazing, amazing deal. We are fighting the left on every front, from the culture wars to philosophy to news. Help us build the future you want to see. Become a member at dailywireplus.com today. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So the Democrats are running on the strategy that Joe Biden is the real problem. It's all a comms issue if we just replace. So they have a backup strategy. If it's all a comms issue, there's one way that we can change this. And that is we can prevent anyone else from getting out their alternative message. So the Democrats are going back to the drawing board with their friends in the media. But I repeat myself. Their new message is everything we don't like is disinformation. When I say new, I mean, it's the same old message. Everything we don't like is disinformation. So the New York Times is a very long piece about the victimized, horribly victimized Nina Jankowicz. Now, you remember that she was the head of the Biden administration disinformation board, this dystopian feature of the Homeland Security Department that was going to look at misinformation and disinformation, had a very broad mandate. It was unclear what it was going to do. This entire article from the New York Times is about how so many people, how so many people here are engaging in disinformation about this woman, Nina Jankowicz, but they can't name a single piece of disinformation that was put out about her. According to the New York Times, there's wide agreement across the federal government that coordinated disinformation campaigns threaten to exacerbate public health emergencies, stoke ethnic and racial divisions, and even undermine democracy itself. The board's fate, however, has underscored how deeply partisan the issue has become in Washington, making it nearly impossible to consider addressing the threat. The failure to act according to experts, according to, well, if I can cite Anonymous experts, it must be true. According to experts, has left openings for new waves of disinformation ahead of November's midterm elections, and even for violence, like the racist massacre at a Buffalo supermarket in May, which was motivated by a baseless conspiracy theory that global forces aimed to replace white Americans with immigrants. I think we're in a really bleak situation here in this country, said Nina Jankowicz, who briefly served as the board's director before resigning when the controversy boiled over. A prominent author and researcher in the field of disinformation who once advised Ukraine's government, Ms. Jankowicz became a focus of the Fuhrer, targeted online by false or misleading information about her role in what critics denounced as a ministry of truth. It's hard to imagine how we get back from this, she said in an interview, when this is how our elected representatives are behaving, when we can't agree on, you know, what is the truth? Okay, she, she still has not named a lie. And nobody in this article actually names a lie that was told about her. The threats from disinformation today, says the New York Times, involve issues that not long ago might have transcended partisan politics. Instead, disinformation has become mired in the country's deepening partisan and geographical divides over issues like abortion, guns, and climate change. Uh, I have a question. When was there ever agreement about abortion, guns, and climate change? Like in my entire lifetime, there has not been. Even during the Trump administration, the Department of Homeland Security recognized the threat. So the, the goal here of the New York Times is 
if we can label everything we don't like disinformation, then we can ban all of that stuff. And we can lament the disinformation used to prevent the government from banning all of that stuff without actually naming any of the disinformation. You know, the, the singular fact that they cannot point to, I mean, we all know why Nina Jankowicz went away. The reason is because she had a long history of being a wild leftist on social media, including doing bizarre Mary Poppins skits, talking about disinformation, promoting the notion that the Russian laptop was not, uh, that, the, that Hunter Biden's laptop was in fact a Russian laptop, promoting the Alpha Bank lie. And so th there's a lot about Nina Jankowicz that was really worthy of scrutiny. But according to the New York Times, all of that was bad. It is no coincidence, by the way, the New York Times is pushing the idea that the government must crack down on disinformation while actively preventing disinformation. One of the, those aspects of actively preventing disinformation is to try and fight back against the fact that Republicans are now doing really, really well with Hispanics. So if you look at the polling data right now, Joe Biden has about a 35% approval rating with Hispanics. And this is freaking the hell out of the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party had counted on a rising coalition of racial minorities, plus a few college-educated white ladies in order to win a permanent majority in Congress and in the presidency. And as it turns out, Hispanics do not want to be categorized as just another racial group that can be counted in the Democratic Party playbook. Instead, it turns out many Hispanics and many black people, as it turns out, most Americans, as it turns out, like to be thought of as individuals who have their own thoughts, dreams, and hopes and wish to actually vote on the basis of those. But the New York Times is going to crack down on this. So while they are saying disinformation is bad, they are now purveying disinformation about Representative Myra Flores. They have an entire piece today in the New York Times by Jennifer Medina called The Rise of the Far-Right Latina. The Rise of the Far- So first of all, what happened to Latinx? What happened to Latinx? These intolerant bigots. Don't they know Latina is sexist? Okay, but apparently she's very, very far-right. And here is what the New York Times says. For years, Texas Republicans tried to win the Hispanic vote using a Bush-era brand of compassionate conservatism. The idea was that a moderate's touch and a softer rhetoric on immigration were key to making inroads with Hispanic voters, particularly in Democratic strongholds across the southern border. Such was the Texas of old. The Trump age has given rise to a new brand of Texas Republicans, one of whom is already walking the halls of Congress, the far-right Latina. Far-right Latina. Everyone's far-right, by the way. Everyone. There's not a single per Like, they can't define the definition between, quote-unquote, mainstream right and far-right, because to the left, everybody is far-right. Representative Myra Flores became only the second Republican to represent the Rio Grande Valley after she won a special election last month and flipped the congressional seat from blue to red. What is most striking is that Ms. Flores won by shunning moderates, embracing the far right, and wearing her support for Donald Trump on her sleeve. Her campaign slogan, God, Family, Country, was meant to appeal to what she calls traditional values of her majority Hispanic district on the border city of Brownsville. She called for President Biden's impeachment. She tweeted QAnon hashtags. By, by the way, when they say tweeted QAnon hashtags, that means her social media team included one hashtag of QAnon in one post on, on Facebook, so far as I'm aware. And this means that she must be some sort of conspiracy theorist because she included one hashtag in one Facebook post ever. She called the Democratic Party the greatest threat America faces. So I have a question. What makes that far right? And the Democratic Party routinely calls the Republican Party the greatest threat America faces. Joe Biden says that Republicans are a threat to democracy. This New York Times piece is saying that far-right Republicans are a threat to democracy. So what exactly is so extreme about her. They can't name a single thing. In an interview in her still barren office the day after her swearing in, Flores was asked whether she considered Biden the legitimately elected president. Quote, he's the worst president of the United States, she said. When asked three more times, she repeated the same non-answer. Okay, and so she said he's bad. Um, I, I'm unaware that saying that he's a very terrible president makes you a far-right person. Two other Latino Republicans, Monica de la Cruz and McAllen, and Cassie Garcia and Laredo, are also on the ballot in congressional races along the Mexican border. All three share right-wing views on immigration, the 2020 election, and abortion. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. You, you mean that they you mean that they're Republicans? That's crazy. Republicans are Republicans and are also Hispanic, but are Republican? Wow, but we have to crack down on disinformation, guys. There's too much disinformation out there, according to the New York Times. By the way, speaking of disinformation, the Washington Post put out a piece today titled Police Kill Another Black Man and the Same Old Questions Arise. Speaking of disinformation, police kill another black man. Who's the black man they're talking about? Jalen Walker, who fired a gun at the cops before getting out of his car and running and being shot for his trouble. The end of the New York, this is the Washington Post editorial board, quote, we hope that after George Floyd's death, departments would reassess the use of deadly force, improve training and question the wisdom of tactics like giving chase to drivers with broken headlights. That this young man is dead after being stopped for a traffic violation is not only a needless tragedy, it is just plain wrong. He fired a gun at the cops while driving away from them. It's on video. And then you guys are lecturing us about disinformation. Well, when, you, when you're losing, I guess you have to come up with some reason why you are losing. I guess that you have to come up with something. You know, this is the Democratic Party. So when that doesn't work, then they have a new strategy also. So they have the they have the strategy of saying that it's all Joe Biden's fault. Then they have the strategy of saying that we need to crack down on disinformation, by which we mean just stuff we don't like. And then finally, it's please can we give Joe a break? He's old. Can we just give him a break? I mean, give him a break. Dana Milbank, opinion columnist at The Washington Post. That is literally the title of his piece today. Give Biden a break. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Does he need to lie down for a little while? Does he need a nap? Does he? Oh, you know, he's only the president of the... He ran for the job, guys. It wasn't like we just appointed him randomly. See, here's the thing. When you run for a job and then you get the job and then you're bad at the job, you don't get a break. By the way, if he wants a break, he can resign anytime and he can hand the country over to the wonderful and intersectional Kamala Harris anytime he pleases. But we need to give Joe Biden... The man needs a break. He needs a break. I remember all those pieces about Donald Trump needing a break or George W. Bush needing a break. We need to give Joe Biden a break, according to Data Milbank. Here's the deal, Democrats. You need to give Joe Biden a break, says Dana Milbank. For weeks, Democrats have arrayed themselves in traditional circular firing formation, complaining about the president's failure to channel outrage about mass shootings, the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe, and MAGA Republicans' assaults on democracy. This produced post-Independence Day fireworks in a trio of news outlets. The Post reported some Democrats think Biden, quote, risks a dangerous failure to meet the moment, and quoted a Democratic consultant lamenting Biden's leadership vacuum. Politico reported Democrats have grown increasingly frustrated at what they perceive has been the White House's lack of urgency, and Biden seems to be lacking fire. And CNN reported that top Democrats are complaining the president isn't acting with the urgency the moment demands. Accompanying this hat trick of own goal scoring by Democrats were unfavorable comparisons between Biden and J.B. Pritzker of Illinois and California Governor Gavin Newsom. There's just one problem with the two cool Joe complaints. Biden has been saying heatedly and repeatedly exactly that which he is accused of avoiding. Biden has been hammering Ron DeSantis, for example, for his hateful don't say gay bill, for book burnings, for trying to ban books, even math books, for a dangerous abortion bill eroding women's constitutional rights. AOC scolded Biden for failing to come to terms with the crisis of our democracy. And Politico reports Democrats criticizing Biden for lacking fire against escalating threats to democracy. But Biden, who frequently warns of the dire threats, was just a few months ago criticized for being too hot when he said of those restrictive voting rights, do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? So Dana Milbank says you have to leave him alone. It's fair for Democrats to ask whether in 2024 they should renominate a man in his 82nd year. But this Goldilocks tale about Biden's too hot and too cold rhetoric needs to be put to bed, says Dana Mill. Give the man a break. Just please give him a break. He needs a break, say the members of the media. Either we, or throw him off the train, one of the two. He needs a break or we need to throw him off the train. And in any case, what we really need to do is we need to shut down disinformation by which we mean all the things we don't like. Well, it's a good thing that the Democrats 
always have the media to cover for them because otherwise Democrats might be forced to answer awkward questions about their most awkward candidates. So there is one hallmark of the media when it comes to coverage of Republican politicians. If you can find a Republican anywhere in America who has said something bizarre or crazy, you then ask every Republican you can find about this. This has been true since like Todd Akin running for Missouri Senate. If you can find one Republican who says something bizarre or weird, then it becomes the obligation of every Republican to answer for it. Meanwhile, if the Democratic Party chooses as its rising stars some of the oddest and strangest and most off-putting people imaginable, no one answers for it. No one ever at all. So it's time to talk about some of the Democratic rising stars. They've been making some waves. I mean, we've got to look to the future, guys. What does the Democratic Party look like beyond Joe Biden and even beyond Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg? Well, where, what does the Democratic Party look like? Well, we have a couple of Democratic thought leaders who are worthy of featuring today. One is a Democratic Rhode Island state senator. Her name is Tierra Mack. She is intersectional AF. She is a black queer woman, a woman of color who is black and queer and also cuts campaign videos, twerking upside down. She went to Brown University, apparently on full scholarship. Her skill set, has yet to be determined. She sits in the state Senate of Rhode Island. And um, and here she is instructing her constituents to vote Senator Mack. She is 28 years old. And um, here we go. So there she is twerking upside vote down. Senator Mack. In the sand. Vote Senator Mack. Well, she makes a pitch. That is, the, that is the pitch, is that she can twerk upside down and is intersectional and went to Brown. But is also a victim, apparently, because the minute that you notice that this attention-grabbing behavior is attention-grabbing behavior, she's offended. This is the way that we work in our society now. It's the dumbest crap imaginable. People go on TikTok. They do stuff that begs for attention, cries out for attention, desperately seeks attention. And the minute you notice and you're like... Yeah, that's bad. They're like, how dare you notice that I'm doing this bad thing? I didn't want attention. I'm like a humble mun here at the monastery. I'm here at the convent, just minding my own business, worshiping in solitude. I am, I am a classy politician from the Victorian era. How dare you notice that I put up a video on TikTok of myself twerking upside down and asking people to vote for, how dare you, sir? <laughs> it's the stupidest nonsense. We are such a mentally ill society. We truly are. I mean, it, and it's true everywhere, right? There, there are people who are engaging in attention-seeking activity. It's the attention-seeking of young people in American society is beyond compare. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. And then the media give attention to the people they should not and then tell you you're not allowed to pay attention to the people who are actually in elected politics. So according to many members of the media, we should ignore this story. A young Democratic legislator on the come, as they say, who is who is now going to rise to the highest levels of American politics on the back of twerking upside down on TikTok. We're supposed to, if we notice this, this makes us racist. That's the way this works. Meanwhile, the media will pay endless attention to mass shooters who post videos of themselves seeking attention, thereby driving the next mass shooting. Again, I would love to have an answer. I, I, I mentioned it yesterday on the show. Can you have an answer from like a single major media outlet as to why they feel the necessity to print the photos, videos, names, and manifestos of mass shooters on a routine basis? Like, what is the public value in that when it drives more mass shootings? What? So, but when it comes to, but that we should pay attention to, even if it incentivizes more mass shooters. But when it comes to tier, stop. Don't notice. Don't notice. And again, this, this goes to, as I say, 
the, the state of the young in America. You walk into a Starbucks and you see some woman with a mohawk in seven different colors, eight earrings, a, a nose ring in the shape of a pig, and a tattoo that runs all the way up one arm and down the other. And this young woman calls herself they. And then if you notice at all, then this is because you're an intolerant bigot. And could there possibly be more attention-seeking behavior than this? I mean, it's clearly, you're doing it in public. I mean, it's attention-seeking, obviously. But she says, this is hysterical. This is Tierra Max comment. You ready? Quote, these are folks who don't care about policy. <laughs> Oh, points for audacity. The audacity of hope happening here. These are folks who don't care about policy. So here I am, a video of me twerking upside down, shaking my ass at the camera and then asking you to vote for me. I noticed that you did that. And I feel like that's not a good pitch for votes. Well, that's because you don't care about policy, sir. If you cared about policy, you wouldn't have even noticed that I cut that video. It's all about the policy. Well, is, is shaking your ass upside down a policy? Apparently it is. Apparently it is an actual policy position. You know, there's like a bunch of positions and then there's the policy position. Apparently, the shit ups I didn't know there was a name for it. Apparently that's the policy position. Being upside down on a beach, shaking your rump at the camera. That is a policy position. Quote, they care about attacking a young, energetic person who is filled with joy and undeterred by their hate. Undeterred by their hate, filled with joy. Hmm. She added, I was elected saying the F word as an unapologetically queer woman. Sounds like an agenda. This is the same person that was elected in 2020 who's going to lead with empathy, compassion, love, and silliness. So apparently one person had the temerity to ask the current Rhode Island governor, a Democrat named McKee, about this. He said, I've not seen it. What was the term you used? Twerking? I don't even know what that means. I don't believe you, sir. <laughs> I think that is not true. <laughs> By the way, um, apparently the video was shared with more than 7,000 TikTok followers and sparked a strong reaction she captured the clip. It promised Senator Thirst Trap at Block Island. Uh, yeah, so that that is um, amazing. Amazing stuff. We, we, you know, we do have to follow. Uh, policy is what this is all about, after all. It's all about the policy. Good stuff happening. Okay, so that is Democrat rising Democrat number one. Rising Democrat number two, a key member of the Biden administration. And I mean, these are these are folks who are you know, truly the best and brightest among us, the people who should be in charge of important policies like uh, the dispensation of nuclear waste. And if we're going to talk about high-level scientific positions, clearly what we need are good young folks like Sam Brinton. Sam Brinton is the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Spent Fuel and Waste Disposition in the Office of Nuclear Energy. He is also an LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign activist and top Biden administration nuclear official. He has courted controversy with his open advocacy of sexual fetishism and puppy play, a sexual kink involving role-playing as animals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the good news is, I suppose, that we live in a fully shame-free society. So the, it used to be, in the olden days, that if somebody was engaged in this sort of behavior, that would be like blackmail material. Now, it's why you get it appointed to a presidential administration, actually. If you used to have, like, a dog fetish kink, then um, that was something the Russians would blackmail you over. And now it actually is something you put on your resume to get into the Biden White House, apparently. He, uh, th this, this person in 2017, he, uh, he had a hearing, apparently, at a campus event, a college campus event. 
with nuclear policy experts in Britain. He was wearing all black except for his red glittery heels and the words ropes, whips, and kinks, oh my, projected behind him. He began by addressing the description for the event we had all seen online. I went in expecting a talk, says one of the students, about his political experiences working to end conversion therapy, sexuality, and the LGBT community, mostly because that is what the description told me. Britain dispelled this, describing the event as a modern sex ed and an exploration of kink. He began by giving us the history of kink and sex education, including the Kama Sutra, the making of taboo by Richard von Kraft Ebbing and Sigmund Freud, the leather era and the rise of the term BDSM. On the subject of kinks directly, Britain explained the difference between headspace and physical types of play. Headspace involves the use of a mental state and includes kinks like adult babies and diaper lovers, primal play, humiliation, degradation, and pup play. Hmm. Okay, so this is the person who was appointed. Also, as it turns out, uh, this person also wrote an essay for The Advocate, the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign magazine, in which he defended a site called rentboy.com, which, as the name might suggest, is a male prostitution site. Britain wrote in 2015, Rent Boy may or may not have broken the law. I don't know. But I do know from the frantic emails filling my inbox, the raid on its headquarters has thrown many gay, bisexual, and transgender young adults into turmoil as their main source of income has been ripped away to, due to irresponsible and archaic views of sex work. That column ran shortly after federal prosecutors charged the CEO of Rent Boy and six Rent Boy employees with conspiring to violate the Travel Act by promoting prostitution. And um, it was also shortly after there was an attempt by Rent Boy to not verify the age of the escorts, so underage sex trafficking. And Britain wrote that the prosecutors were victimizing young male sex workers, not protecting them. This is a person who is in charge of our nuclear waste program. So things are going great. I look forward to the next generation of democratic, gender-fluid, puppy kink, upside-down twerking politicians. It will be very, very exciting stuff. I can't imagine why the American... It's, it's probably a comms issue, guys. It's probably just a comms issue. Probably in your, the fact that you've embraced every single radical element in American society ideologically. It, it, it probably isn't the fact that your policies are wildly counterproductive. It probably isn't the fact that you think that the best idea in American life is to elect some of the strangest people in American life, put those people in positions of high power. It probably is just comms. If you get rid of Kate Benningfield, probably it's all fixed. You know, it's, it's all about Joe Biden not being able to talk right. That's that's probably the issue. Alrighty, we'll be back here later with additional content. In the meantime, go check out the Michael Knowles show today. He discusses the Democrats' attempt to try to paint Ron DeSantis as worse than Donald Trump. Yeah, this one's funny, by the way. The Democrats are already in full scale worse than Trump mode. Because remember, Trump was worse than Romney, and Romney was worse than McCain. You can hear more details about that story over on Michael's show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Joe Biden's approval ratings dropped to the lowest levels ever. Democrats try to paint DeSantis as worse than Trump. And the libs continue to push weird pedo stuff. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, everybody. 